0: Well, welcome friends. I'm glad you're here, this is my place. I'm grateful that you've chosen to join us online and uh, we wanted to welcome you into my home this week just to try to make things a little more intimate. And so I'm glad that you're here as we continue this journey called Unshallow, where we're trying to find a deeper relationship with God and with each other the way God intended it. Hey, will you join me in a word of prayer as we get started? God of grace and mercy, thank you that you've loved us from the very beginning of time. And that you wanted for us and from us a deep and uh, intimate relationship. Help us, Lord, these days to discover that and to become more unshallow, so that we can become deeper in our love for you and of you and for and of others. God, we're grateful for this blessing and pray that we would take that challenge seriously. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, did you get naked this week? I mean, that's what Pastor Doug asked you to do, isn't it? He asked you to get naked. Now, my hunch is you got naked in the shower, but maybe you didn't try to get naked in other ways. I know you'll want to give a shout out to Pastor Doug for doing a great job of being vulnerable and being courageous and sharing his story and becoming unshallow in so many good and positive ways. Just a quick reminder, part of what Pastor Doug helped us to see is that this word naked that we read in scripture, it actually means vulnerable. It means to just kind of reveal our true selves, to let our real selves out. And that's what unshallow is all about. So over these next several weeks, we're going to look at these great stories in the book of Genesis, this first book in Scripture, because it tells us the stories that help set us up for who we have become. So last week, of course, was Adam and Eve. Today, we're going to look at Abraham and how he developed intimacy with God. Next week, we're going to look at Jacob, his grandson, and how he kind of destroyed intimacy and that caused problems for him. And then ultimately, we're going to look at Joseph towards the end of the book of Genesis and how he led himself into great vulnerability with his family and how that led to great deep relationship as well. So these two weeks, this week and next week, we're going to talk about developing intimacy and then next week, how to destroy intimacy. <laughs> now we want to do the former more than the latter, but we've got to talk about developing intimacy first before we understand how it is that we destroy intimacy. So good news is, man, we've got this great sort of modern day guru who teaches us a lot about developing intimacy. His name's Dr. John Gottman. Uh, You may have heard of him. Over the last 30 years, he's been one of the most profound experts in research, in writing, and in speaking about uh, intimacy and relationships. His sort of seminal foundational book was called The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work. And in that, of course, he establishes seven principles for how uh, people can become more intimate, more vulnerable in their relationships. And while it's about marriage, I can assure you most, if not all, of his uh, foundational concepts can help guide us into uh, better relationships. The the seven principles are known as the Gottman Method, and he often uses a graphic of this house that you see there on the screen that kind of helps us better understand what are these seven principles, and they build on each other. But one of the principles that Gottman talks about is what he refers to as the sliding door. Principle. It's a fascinating concept. He actually takes it from a movie from Gwyneth Paltrow back in 1998. It was called Sliding Doors. And just real quick, that movie was about her in a relationship, a marriage, and the movie takes two sides or two sliding doors in its uh, a ta- a, a, a appeal to her relationship. One says, shows that uh, she remained in a relationship and she got uh, encumbered by his infidelity. And the other takes her down a different track where she realizes happiness and joy. But it's those sliding door moments Dr. Gottman refers to that helps us to better understand how to develop intimacy. Here's all he means by the sliding door concept. There are these moments in our lives. Usually they're very unencumbered. They're very normal, very typical in our lives. They're not grand and glorious. They're just real simple. He calls them sliding door moments. They're things like paying attention and looking at your spouse when you listen to them or respond to them or when you actually affirm them for something that they've done and you mean it and it's intentional. You see, in and of themselves, there's nothing grand and glorious about them, but Gottman maintains through his research that when we do those things, they're simple, they're small, but they're intimate. They help build trust and then they help build more trust and that trust allows us to become more intimate with our partners, to be more intimate with our friends, to become more intimate with the people that we cherish and the relationships that we have. Sliding door moments, look for them. The good news is they're easy and they're simple. The bad news is because they're so simple, we sometimes overlook them and we go right past them without building trust. Well, man, we've got an ancient story from our Hebrew scriptures from Abraham in the book of Genesis that actually teaches us the same kind of lesson that there are these simple sliding door moments that help gain intimacy and indeed help us gain vulnerability. So in Genesis chapter 18, We hear this amazing story. Now, 18, I want to encourage you to read all of Genesis chapter 18. It starts with an amazing story of the hospitality of Abraham with some strangers. And then it transitions to God recognizing that some of Abraham's relatives, Lot and his family, are going to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Maybe you've heard of it. And God is fully entrenched in destroying Sodom and Gomorrah because they are so evil and so violent in the ways that they live. And eventually Abraham realizes this. And so Abraham enters into an intimate conversation with God that's deeply challenging that I want to share with you uh, today. Listen how Abraham speaks to God. And I want you to look for the intimate moments that he gives himself over fully to God says, Abraham approached and said, will you really sweep away the innocent with the guilty? What if there are 50 innocent people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not save the place for the sake of 50 innocent people? It is not like you to do this, killing the innocent with the guilty as if there were no difference. It's not like you. Will the judge of all the earth not act justly? Can you imagine having that kind of conversation with God? That's pretty vulnerable, wouldn't you say? But he goes on. The Lord said, if I find 50 innocent people in the city of Sodom, I will save it because of them. Abraham responded, since I've already decided to speak with my Lord, even though I'm just soil and ash, what if there are five fewer innocent people than 50? Will you destroy the whole city over just five? The Lord said, if I find 45 there, I won't destroy it. Once again, Abraham spoke, what if 40 are there? The Lord said, for the sake of 40, I will do nothing. Abraham said, don't be angry with me, my Lord, but let me speak. If there are 30 there, the Lord said, I won't do it if I find 30 there. You can almost imagine the frustration, right? Abraham says again, since I've already decided to speak with my Lord, what if 20 are there? The Lord said, I won't do it for the sake of 20. And Abraham said, don't be angry with me, my Lord, but let me speak just once more. What if there are 10? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it because of those 10. When the Lord finished speaking with Abraham, he left. But Abraham stayed there in that place. Wow. Now that's a unique kind of conversation, right? I I think we can all agree with that. And this is also distinctive and it's not about Abraham in a relationship with another person. It's about Abraham in a relationship with God. I get that that's unique, but my golly, I can believe that if we can have an intimate and vulnerable conversation with God, we can have an intimate and vulnerable conversation with other people. Notice what Abraham does. First, he takes up the courage to even have this kind of conversation with God. Can you imagine the God who called you out of your daddy's homeland and your, your family and told you you're gonna be a great nation and all of a sudden you're calling that God on the carpet? That takes some courage, doesn't it? Can you imagine if um, uh, we had that kind of uh, boldness with God ourselves? And then he, he actually not only has courage, but he has humility. Notice he spoke about, um, golly, I'm only soil and dust. I need you to know that, God. I'm coming from a low spot here, but I do need to call us into this relationship. So he's got courage and he's got humility all mixed together. And then he's got compassion. He's got compassion for his nephew Lot and their people because he knows they're good folk, but they're gonna be in Sodom and he doesn't want them destroyed. And so Abraham is acting out of compassion on behalf of people that he loves and holds dearly. And ultimately, Abraham is having this conversation with God because he wants a connection with the God he knows has the capacity to destroy the whole place. I find this all fascinating because this is happening thousands and thousands of years before us today. And yet the very things that Abraham is doing in this conversation with God is developing intimacy in his relationship with God and committing full vulnerability in that relationship with God. I mean, he just laid it all out there, didn't he? Well, it's fascinating to me, not only because it's so old, but also because it has such relevance to us today. There's another researcher and author and speaker named Brene Brown. You probably know her a little bit better than Dr. Gottman. But Brene Brown has written several books, including um, Rising Boldly, and the most famous of which is Daring Greatly. And in Daring Greatly, uh, Dr. Brown gives us the, the same sort of tools that Abraham just lived out in his talk with God, that you and I can live out in developing Intimacy. I want to talk real quickly about those three simple tools because Abraham demonstrated them. The first tool that uh, Dr. Brown recommends in her book, Daring Greatly, is simply to have courage. We can't really develop intimacy in relationships with anybody unless we have the courage to realize and recognize who we are and how we are in that relationship. To speak up about what's bothering us, to speak out about what has meaning and value to us. This is what Pastor Doug did last week. He had the courage to speak his truth, to share his reality, and to let it just hang there with all of us, right? This is the kind of courage that Abraham had with God. He said, why would you do this? The God of justice, how could you do this? Kill both the innocent and the guilty. He had courage to speak forth. and it takes courage to be vulnerable, doesn't it? It takes courage to develop intimacy with other people. Listen, it takes huge amounts of courage to say, I'm afraid. It takes courage to say, I, I need to forgive you or I need your forgiveness. It takes courage to say first, I love you, right? All of that takes courage and it also develops intimacy. You know, throughout scripture there, is these, there are these passages that remind us of how courageous folks were, whether it was Abraham or Moses. One of my favorite is Joshua. He's the guy who followed Moses and led the Israelites. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, God just commands Joshua to be bold and courageous, strong and courageous. I command you, he says. And do this because I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm gonna go with you wherever you go. Rest assured friends, God can give us courage. And Here's the thing about courage. Courage is not acting without fear. <laughs> courage is acting instead of the fear. I'm still afraid. I still don't know how this is gonna work, but I'm gonna move forward anyway. Have courage. Second thing Dr. Brown says that Abraham did was, he had compassion. He had compassion both for Lot and his family, but also he had compassion about his own life and his own relationship with God. He recognized that they needed this uh, relationship, and that compassion compelled him to speak up on Lot's behalf, to speak up on behalf of even the people he'd never heard of or known about in Sodom. It takes compassion to be intimate. I have to love you, care for you, believe in you, and I I trust that you will believe in me. That's compassion, and that develops intimacy. Over and over, Jesus had compassion for his followers. Matthew's Gospel tells us in one particular chapter, chapter nine, that Jesus looked out over a crowd and he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. They didn't know what lied ahead, and so he helped them and he led them because they were like sheep who needed a shepherd When we have compassion in our relationships, it helps develop intimacy. And a part of compassion says, I don't fully understand you, but I want to know you and I want to give myself to you. That develops intimacy. Last thing that Dr. Brown says in her book, Daring Greatly, is that we are all about connection, that we literally thrive on it, that it's who we are all about. And man, that's true, isn't it? That's what Abraham did in his conversation with God. He knew that he had a connection with Lot. He knew he wanted a deeper connection with God. And so he was trying to develop this intimacy by just speaking his truth, by calling on God to do the right and just thing. We all need connection, don't we? There's no way we can develop intimacy unless we first recognize, I need you. And I hope you need me. And I want this connection to be stronger. Part of what we understand early on in Scripture, in Genesis chapter 2, is that we're built for this. We are hardwired for connection. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 tells us, the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. And then he offered a helper. Those initial helpers were the animals. They didn't work out so well as a helpmate, but... The point being, God knew from the very beginning we needed other people. We needed others in our lives, and that helps develop intimacy. If I take courage, if I have compassion, and if I recognize my need for connection, then I will develop intimacy, and that intimacy will help lead me to be willing to be vulnerable. Because if I'm I'm in an intimate relationship with you, I trust you. I trust who you are. I trust that you love me and care for me. And then I'm more willing to lay it all out there, to become naked as Pastor uh, Doug reminded us last week. So Dr. Brown, Brene Brown, in her book, Daring Greatly, lays out three simple principles for us to become more vulnerable. And they're so simple, but they're a tad challenging. Here's the first principle that she lays out for us. She says, look at vulnerability as a strength not a weakness. I think far too often we, mainly guys, but really all people, we tend to think of vulnerability as a weakness. I don't want, I don't want you to know that. I don't want you to uh, have that knowledge of me. I don't want you to understand that about me. Somehow you'll undercut me or somehow you'll hold that against me or somehow you'll use that in a way that I don't want. You see, we have all kinds of words and thoughts rolling in our heads, don't we? But if we were created to be vulnerable, as Pastor Doug reminded us, we need to realize that vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. Remember last week, Genesis 2, verse 25, it literally said, the man and his wife were naked and they were not ashamed. What that tells us is that's the way God made us. God made us to be vulnerable to literally lay it out there before each other. That's the way God intended us to be in our relationship. So we ought to look at vulnerability as a powerful, powerful way to be more intimate and more deep in our connection with other people. That's what Abraham was doing with God. I think of simple things about vulnerability that, man, they are hard. Can you imagine what it's like to... um, Try to get pregnant again after you've had several miscarriages. But to be real about that and share your burden about that. You know what it's like sometimes to go work out in a public facility when you're completely out of shape and to just be real and vulnerable about what that feels like and what that is. Do you know how much vulnerability it takes sometimes to initiate sexual intimacy in a relationship? That's all about being vulnerable and being real and being willing to say, Here I am, take me just as I am. And in that is found real strength. The second thing Brene Brown reminds us in her book is this, that we need to claim and name our shame. Here's the deal, friends. Most of us don't want to realize this, but we've all got shame about something. Uh, Sometimes it's our addictive behaviors, Sometimes it's our family of origin. Sometimes it's the way we are raised. Sometimes it's the way we look. Sometimes it's the way we are just physically or um, emotionally. We've all got shame about something. And what we tend to do with our shame is push it right down and try to ignore it and deny it. Keep it silent and secret. And here's what I want to share with you. Silence and secrecy about our shame kills our soul, our hearts, our intimacy, and ultimately, of course, our vulnerability. But if we will speak and share our shame, whatever it is, if we will speak and share it, it brings life. It brings hope. That's why we wanna recommend these um, conversation things that we've been passing out last week and this week. They are simple dialogues and conversations. You may not get to your shaming issues, but this begins to help us get at the notion that we can share from the heart, that we can reveal our true selves, even in simple, basic, everyday conversation. We need to recognize that vulnerability is a strength. We need to claim and name our shame. And ultimately, Brene Brown says, uh, we need to model this. And that's why we're having this series. We want to claim who we are and what we are about and then model this to others. You know, how many times have we, either as parents or as teachers or as um, uh, leaders in community, say to our kids or say to people we're helping to mentor, be honest, be courageous, be ambitious? And we laud it as a high value and we should. But what would be even better is if we ourselves in our relationships were honest we're courageous, we're ambitious. You see, if we can model this in who we are, it helps to perpetuate it. It helps to make it even larger than it currently is. Friends, all these things help us to develop intimacy. And Abraham had it going thousands of years ago. Isn't that fascinating? Here was a guy so basic, so simple, and yet thousands of years ago, he's reminding us of what the current day modern researchers and professionals in this field can tell us. Man, he stepped out in faith. He laid it all out there before God and said, I want an intimate relationship with you, God. And the only way I know how to do that is to be courageous enough to say it, have uh, compassion enough to do something about it, and to recognize I need connection. I'm so pleased that we could learn from Abraham today. And I hope that you will be guided by his wisdom and that you will cherish the opportunity that we all have to develop intimacy in all of our relationships, whether marriage or friendships or work colleagues or neighbors. God desired for us to be fully vulnerable, to be as unshallow as we could possibly be. And in that is found life and hope for the future. I'm so grateful. Abraham taught us this lesson today. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you that you love us just as we are and that you give us courage and compassion and connection to do something about our relationships. Help us, God, like Abraham, to step out in that courage, to have compassion for others and to realize our deep-seated need for connection. God, when we do, I am convinced we will both find intimacy and we will be more vulnerable so that we can be completely unshallow, and more deep in our relationships with you and with others. God, thank you for Abraham's lesson today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friends, let me just thank you for how generous you always are. Your generosity makes ministry possible. You help us be vulnerable with the community in a way that shares God's love through Christ. Thank you for doing that. You know, if you'd like to make a gift now, you can scan the QR code that's on the screen or you can text the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. But whatever you give, thanks so much. You make a difference.